The following audio message is from Neighborhood Church in Overland Park, Kansas. At Neighborhood Church, we seek to be a community that loves God and our neighbors together. If you would like to learn more about Neighborhood Church, please go to www.neighborhoodchurchop.com. Uh, all right, so um, as we begin today, I just want to just, we're going to do a little review today and kind of go to some basics. Um, um, but I just want to start with saying, you know, in the room, in, in this room on, on Sundays, there's, there's three groups of people. So, so today there's one group of people who doesn't really know the good news of Jesus. So there's, there's probably somebody in the room or some people in the room who don't really understand the good news of Jesus. And there's the second group. It's, there's a group of people in the room that kind of understand the good news, understand the gospel, but they've chosen not to follow Jesus yet. You're just here checking out Jesus. You're learning more about him. You're learning um, what he has done for you and who he is. And the third group of people is a group that knows the good news of Jesus and has chosen to follow Jesus. So wherever you're at, whatever group you're at this morning here at Neighborhood Church, I just want to say we're glad you're here. My hope is that we're always a church that has all three of those groups present. We have people who are just entering into understand spiritual things. We have some people who've kind of been here for a while or have a friend who's been sharing with them about who Jesus is. And then we have a group of people here who've made a decision to, to give their lives to Jesus. And this is the place where you've just chosen to come and be reminded about the gospel. So no matter which group you're in, um, we want this to be a place that can, you can call home right here in your neighborhood. I will say that our desire, um, though we may say the phrase, come as you are, um, as we follow the scriptures and follow the Holy Spirit, um, you can't stay where you are. God's got a plan for you of growth and maturity, and we hope that you begin that journey um, here today. So if it's your first time visiting, my name is Dave Parton. I get to be the pastor here. Um, we've been meeting here at the school since December, and we're, uh, we're excited that we will meet in any room or outside space they will give us. So we're, we're pumped about that. I did hear, I think, two more weeks on the gym, and then we'll get to be back in there. We've been studying the book of Matthew together, and that's page 809 in these black books, these black Bibles. So if you don't have a Bible, feel free to take that Bible home, or if you know somebody, and those are our gift to you, is that, is that, um, is that black hardcover Bible there. You go ahead and write your name in it. So if we, if we find it, we can give it to you if you forget it. So as we study the book of Matthew, we see that the author, his purpose is he's giving you the, the, the birth to the death and resurrection of Jesus. So Jesus is, Mas- is Matthew's focus. And, and it's not just Jesus, but it's about Jesus saying that he's the king of the new kingdom. So that is why we've titled this study through this book, The Kingdom. You see in the Old Testament, like three-fourths of that book that's in front of you, the Old Testament, we learn about creation, right? And how God created the world. And he created people in his own image. And he wanted them to have a perfect relationship with him. So we find that in the beginning of this book. And God being the creator and father of all, pursued man in that relationship. And he wanted man to trust him and live under his guidance and under his rule. But man chose to go a different path. Man chose that he and she wanted to become 
their own gods and to be their own rulers. But God still loved mankind even after mankind sinned and went away from God and said, God, I don't want you to be the ruler. I want to be the ruler. I want to know all these things. I want to have wisdom equal to you and power to you. God continued to pursue. And also, in this season of mankind separate from God, man said, okay, we should have a ruler. We should have a king, just like all the other peoples of the world. So God's own people chose to have kings, but these kings were destructive. They continued to cause problems for their nation, problems with their neighboring nations, problems with their own relationship with God. And they found that they could not do it. The prophets and spiritual leaders of the Jewish culture saw this pride and power of their kings destroying them, and God began to give them visions and insights that a greater king is going to come to give them hope. And just like when it all started, this king was going to be God himself. So 2,000 years ago, Jesus Christ was born. The Messiah, the king, has arrived. This Messiah that the nation's been waiting for and waiting for, that would bring unity to the people, protection from the nations, and peace with God. That Jesus Christ, he's the Son of God, come in flesh as a human. Once again, the King has come and pursued mankind. And so far we've studied in Matthew, as we've gone through the first three chapters, we've talked about his birth We've talked about his different moves as God's protected this baby, this child. We've talked about his announcement of John the Baptist, the announcer to say, the Messiah is here. Repent and believe. And then we, we studied his baptism. Why does Jesus, the king, need to be baptized? And what does that mean? And last week we talked about his temptation in the desert. What does it mean when the king is tempted and how does he fight temptation and we learn that Jesus never sinned so we're going to go to Matthew 4:12 this is where we're at in the book and it's this narrative in Matthew that we see the development of the king the god king that's pursuing mankind to restore a relationship and if you're in the black hardcovered Bible, the, the heading here is Jesus begins his ministry. Up to this point, it's just been Jesus and these fulfillments of Old Testament prophecies, these prophecies of saying the king is going to come and Jesus doing things and his, his parents doing things that fulfilled these prophecies. Now in verse 12, 412, we see Jesus beginning his ministry. And we're going to do these, this, next, um, this next part today just in chunks. We're reading 12 through 16. Now, when he heard that John had been arrested, this is John the Baptist got arrested, Jesus withdrew into Galilee. And leaving Nazareth, he went and lived in Capernaum by the sea in the territory of Zebulun and Naphtali. And when what was spoken by that prophet Isaiah might be fulfilled, this is from Isaiah 9, the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, by the way of the sea, beyond the Jordan, Galilee to the, of the Gentiles, of the people dwelling in darkness, have seen a great light. And for those dwelling in the region and shadow of death, on them a light has dawned. Let's pray as we study the word this morning. Father, we thank you for your scriptures. May we never forget 
the generation after generation that you have kept restored upheld the word that our generation has it we have it online we have it in these books we have it in our hearts because you've preserved it your holy spirit's preserved it for us that we can know truth and we can live life to the fullest and the men and women that have brought the scriptures to our parents and our parents parents or to our neighborhoods that we're thankful that your word is the thing that is carried to generation to generation. And may we always understand that as we read it, the weightiness to it, the glorious nature of your word. And may you help us better know who you are, know who we are, and may we worship you more. It's in your name. Amen. So as we go through this passage today, we're going to be looking at a few different things. And if you have a bulletin today, you'll see the title is Repent, Believe, and Follow Me. But there's three things we're going to look at right now. Who is Jesus' ministry for? When will his ministry end? And what is the message of his ministry? So we're looking at his ministry starting. Who is that ministry for? When will this ministry end? And what is the message of his ministry? So starting with who? Well, we learn from this passage is for everyone. Jesus the Messiah was prophesied as coming from a lineage of the king of Israel named David. So Jesus was prophesied and foretold that he would be a Jew. But his kingdom was not going to be just for the Jews. Now the Jews had this idea that the, that the king, this, this king that's coming, would be just for them. Because God has been interacting with this nation called Israel, the Jewish people, for generation after generation. But many prophets and teachers misunderstood what God's plan was. Yes, Jesus was going to be a Jew, but his ministry was going to be for everyone. Jesus was not going to replace the Caesar. He was not going to re replace the leadership in Rome. God's plan was much bigger than that. And that's pretty normal for lots of us in our lives, too. Like, we think God's got a plan, and we start taking steps, and we realize as we follow God, there's something much bigger there's much bigger, and this was the same as the Messiah came. Much bigger than just the Jews getting out of bondage of Rome. And Jesus did not only start his ministry just for the Jews, but he didn't even start in Jerusalem. That's where they thought, this is the center of their culture. This is where they thought it was all going to start. But we learn here, he's in this place called Galilee and all these other names. So these names and places that maybe many of us have never heard of, never been to, and I'm still learning how to say, right? Galilee, Nazareth, Zebulun, Naphtali, you know, like these different places beyond the Jordan. Unless you've been there, and I know if some of you have been there before, you don't even understand what these areas mean, or if we could throw up the Israel map at some point in our life and like study these, this geography, maybe we can understand it more. But for our purposes today, I, I think one thing that we can think through is, is there's a story of a guy named Joshua in the Old Testament. So Moses, you guys may know the story of Moses rescuing the Israelites out of bondage with the Pharaoh chasing him through the sea. And then the, the Israelites get through the sea and all the water comes in and God saves Israel. And Moses is there with him and they're in the desert for a while. But then what's the next step of Israel? Well, it's to take the promised land. And Joshua uses a man named Joseph, which is Moses' right-hand man. 
to go into battle, to take the promised land. So Joshua was this, this leader to take the promised land. And these locations beyond the Jordan, around the Sea of Galilee, that we talk about here, guess what? It's the promised land. But who's taking the promised land now? Jesus. And is he with swords and shields and armies? No. He's with love and care. And guess what his, guess what his, his sword is to take the promised land? Adoption papers. To as many as received him, he gave the right to become a child of God. So Jesus is walking into the promised land with adoption papers saying, who wants to receive me? You can be my children. Do you guys know what the Hebrew name for Jesus is? Joshua. As we've been talking about Jesus being the fulfillment, and that there's an author of the story that's bigger than any human, how could humans create these stories? We can't. But a God who, who, who speaks and things exist, he can write the story, right? And that's why this is so rich. That's why you got to read it more than once. <laughs> because your second time through, you get to go from 10% to 15% of understanding, right? Because you're like, oh, I remember. Jesus, Joshua, oh, that was that guy. And your 50th time through, you're kind of like, oh, I'm about 50% of the way there, right? It's just a book that's just rich of story after story of God chasing humanity. And this idea of Galilee, the Galilee of the Gentiles, the Gentiles, they're a people group, right? It's a pretty large one. It's all non-Jewish people. So you know you have people who work in the army, right? They're in the army. They're like army people. And then guess what everybody else is called? Civilians. <laughs> That's a pretty big people group, right? right? This is the same way that Jewish people would talk about their culture. Are you Jewish or are you not? So when Jesus comes, he doesn't go to Jerusalem. He goes to Galilee of the Gentiles. So if you can picture a place in Kansas City where there's all types of people groups, that's Jesus' first stop. What do you think his message is when Jesus comes to Kansas City? This is hypothetical, okay? <laughs> right, right. He goes there. What's he trying to say? I'm here for everyone. I'm here for everyone. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. So who is Jesus' ministry for? Everyone. I do want to say this section in the Bible, 15 and 16, when you read in the scriptures, sometimes when the authors are referencing Old Testament passages, they'll kind of break it apart. And there'll be like a separate paragraph or italicized, depending on what Bible you have. And there'll be these teeny tiny letters that you need like a magnifying glass to see. So in the ESV, it says F. 
this little broken apart thing. But if you go to the very bottom, there's even smaller letters, like Willy Wonka style, like at the very bottom, you know, it's like teeny tiny stuff. And it's like, it says Isaiah 9, right? And what you can do is you can turn back to Isaiah. And many of us, we have to go to the very front and find out what page number Isaiah is on, right? So you find Isaiah, which is in the middle of the Bible. It's this big, long prophet, or big, long book about, Isaiah, you know, Isaiah's words. And Isaiah 9 says this, and he's, and he's, and he's talking, like he's talking about this, like, prophetic. Like Isaiah's hard, you know, it's like sometimes it's prophecy, sometimes it's happening right now, sometimes it's both as one at once, like we just read. But you guys may understand that when prophets or when, when New Testament authors would quote prophets, they don't want to rewrite the entire section, right? They'll just kind of give you a few words sometimes to kind of get you started. And the Jewish people would kind of know in their mind, oh, he's going to this part of that scroll that is read sometime. Check this out. Isaiah 9, this is from, you know, chapter, you know, 1 and 2, or verse 1 and 2. But if you keep reading down in chapter 9 of Isaiah, listen to this. This is 9, 6. For, uh, to us, for to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government of peace, there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. Do you guys see what Matthew's doing here? He's saying, hey, look, here's a part of the, of the, of the Old Testament, the scroll of Isaiah that talks about Jesus. And I'm going to keep writing about Jesus for like, what, 20-something more chapters. I got lots to go. But his ministry has started. And his ministry is going to be to the nations, which includes the Jews. But it's going to be to the nations. So who is it for? To the nations. And the second question, as we just read from Isaiah 9, 6, and 7, when will his ministry end? Never. From this time forth and forevermore. Now, there's no king, no human king that can say that, right? You can think through some world leaders right now that you're glad they weren't king forever, right? But if we need to have a king forever, shouldn't it be Jesus? He's the kind of king you're like, oh, no, we're not having elections ever again, right? And this is what Isaiah is prophesying about. So thirdly, what is Jesus's message Verse 17 says this, From that time Jesus began to preach, saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. So we've been talking about this because John the Baptist said this. Repentance review. Repentance involves a couple things. One is remorse. There's a feeling. Something happens that you hear information, you learn of something, that you realize that there's something in your heart and the Holy Spirit convicts and there's this feeling of remorse. That's what this word repentance means. And this feeling is you have to do something with it. So we confess. We apologize. We say we're sorry to God. We say we're sorry to people. And we begin moving in the opposite direction, away from sin and toward God. It's this idea that is opposite of what Adam and Eve did. It's saying, I'm on the throne. That's how we're born. I'm on the throne. I'm the most important thing. 
See, Adam and Eve were born where God was on the throne, right? But we're descendants of Adam and Eve. We're born on the throne. The whole world should revolve around us. But what's repentance? It's saying, God, I want to get off the throne. I should not be God. You need to be God. And I trust your ideas and your words and your commands. So repentance involves belief and faith. Jesus' message is trust. Do you trust God to run your life, to be your Lord? Lean not on your own understanding. I am the king, is Jesus' words. My kingdom is not of this world, but it's in this world. And I'm the king that will fight an enemy for you. I am the one when you sin, you sin against me. This is Jesus. When you sin, you sin against Jesus. That's why we find in the Bible, Matthew's going to share stories where Jesus says, your sins are forgiven. Who can do that? But the one you're sinning against. Put your hope and faith of eternity and judgment in my hands because I'm the one who has that kind of power. I can heal disease, heal hunger and thirst. I can move water molecules and the wind because I created it with my mouth. Trust me, I am love. I have come to give you an abundant life and I know what that is because I breathed it into you in the first place. My commands are not to put you into bondage but my commands are to set you free. That's Jesus' message. He becomes the Lord, and we become the followers. So as we move on to the next section, we can either follow or not follow the king. He's still the king if we choose to follow him or not. He just may not be your king. Jesus knew his love and mission would be better understood if he equipped others to equip others to equip others and wants us to be a part of his good news message. Let's look at verse 18. While walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who's called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Immediately they left their nets and followed him. And going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James and son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, in the boat with Zebedee, their father, mending their nets. And he called them immediately. They left the boat and their father and followed him. So he called fishermen. He went to Galilee, the nations, and he called fishermen. Not, he didn't go to the synagogue, not to the theologians, those who were writing their stories and books about the Old Testament. Not the wisest of all Jewish boys that were in the prep schools. There were soon to be Pharisees. He said to them, come and follow me. And the word Jesus was looking for, or the character, was faithful. He was looking for faithful people who would love God with all of their lives and love others well and carry on his message. So what did these four men do? These four fishermen who didn't make it, their test scores weren't high enough, 
They were just out fishing with their dad to be the, the normal rabbis and leaders of the church. Well, they heard the king. They heard his voice. And they heard him say, follow me. And Matthew uses the word immediately. So there's three groups of people in the room today as we just kind of heard a little bit of the story of the gospel about how God continues to pursue. The first group is a group who doesn't really know the good news of Jesus. And the good news of Jesus without the cross is empty. So let me tell you what happens at the end of Matthew. This king comes, lives a perfect life. We're going to begin next week learning about his ministry, like what he does to help people. So if you're new, I'd love for you to come back and start hearing about Jesus' life and the commands and the, the teachings, but also the things he does to, to help that generation. But Jesus lived this perfect life, and, and at 33, it was his time. The king who never sinned, the baby sent from heaven, allowed himself to be taken captured and to be punished on a cross. We know from other parts of the Bible that the payment for sin is death. The payment of sin is death. So if Jesus Christ never sinned, how could he die? Well, the good news of the gospel is that he took on the sin and punishment of everyone in this room and everyone on earth. And he said, I will take their sin. Now I can die. And when he died, he went through hell. He went through hell for people. And to as many as received him, he gave the right to be adopted. And Jesus didn't just die. Nobody rose him from the grave. He rose himself from the grave. Because he's God. The grave can't hold the king. And that's what we celebrate on Easter. Is this risen king. The king of the Jews, the king of the world. So if you're in the room, you could be a part of a group that really doesn't understand the good news yet. But the good news is, is God is love. And he loves you. And sin must be punished. And he chose to be punished for you. And what he asks is that you receive him as your king. You become a Christian. And immediately, you can drop the throne, drop the scepter, and follow him. The second group, you're a group who's heard that story over and over again. But you haven't followed Jesus yet. You're still saying, I... I understand there's a king and there's a throne over there, but I like kind of being the king of my life. But my prayer is that you would listen to the Holy Spirit. You'd let your heart be soft and, and wait and, and think and pray and say, God, help me understand what it would mean for me to get off the throne and you to be on it. And that you would follow Jesus. And the third group is those of you guys who know it. You've heard the gospel. And you're following Jesus. Praise the Lord. You're connected maybe to a local church. Maybe this one. Are you following Jesus the way the disciples did? Are there things that you need to drop so you can run harder? Are you sharing the good news with people? 
Are you living out the good news with people? And maybe that's your calling today to be a better follower of Jesus. Let me pray and then we're going to move to our time of communion this morning. Jesus, you are the king. My prayer is that you are glorified today. As for many in this room, we're reminded of who we are on Sunday mornings. That you teach us new things. New things get brought to us and you remind us of things from your word. And I pray you help us have lives of repentance and, con and confession and turning towards living lives that follow your ministry. And secondly, Father, I pray for those that haven't chosen to follow you. My prayers this morning, they will come talk to me or come talk to somebody, but they will most of all talk to you. And they will ask for you to be on the throne of their life, the King. Be with us now as we celebrate communion. It's in your name. Amen.